Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Twenty years later, Lancaster police are still trying to figure out who killed Victor Melendez. He was shot and killed on the 4th of July. And the person or people behind it are nowhere to be found. It's been really hard. Having him gone, not having my kids have a father. These two innocent smiling faces stand proudly next to their father at his grave site. A man these two Lancaster City children barely knew. Police say after shooting Victor Melendez, the people in the car sped away, driving down this alley. Why did this person do that? Police believe it was a robbery gone bad. Everybody in that block knows what happened to my brother. But police say leads are drying up. I just keep hope that someday that they'll find the people that are responsible. This is Unsolved in PA. Hi, I'm Jessica Babb, an investigative reporter for CBS 21 News. In 2002, a fun 4th of July celebration turned into a nightmare when Victor Melendez was shot and killed in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. The person who pulled the trigger is still a mystery, but his family hasn't stopped looking for answers. Could DNA help crack this case? Or do one of you have a missing clue? Let's go back to the night it happened and try to put this puzzle together, piece by piece. In this episode, Murder on the Fourth, the unsolved shooting of Victor Melendez. That was probably like around when I first met him. Oh, that's yeah. Fun. Which yeah. is your favorite picture? Um, I don't know. I mean, I like this one a lot. It's a sweet photo. Yeah. It's a story told in snapshots. So, what are some of these other? Um, this was a birthday party for my son when he was one. Sitting next to Christina Reichard on her living room couch, she's showing me photos of her husband, Victor Melendez. The photos, laid out on her brown ottoman, stand out. They tell the story of the bright, colorful life Melendez was living. In the pictures, he's holding his kids and DJing. Each photo is a piece of the puzzle. It took me a lot, a lot of years to actually process process everything and to actually grieve over it. Um, you don't really ever get over it and you know he's always there in the back of your mind. Victor's nickname was Shorty. Mostly his friends and like me we all called him Shorty because um, that was his nickname so I actually never called him by his name. How do you get the name Shorty? Because uh, he is short. <laughs> he was short. He was much shorter than I was. Sounds like you might have been a short guy with a big personality. <laughs> yes, big personality. <laughs> um, sometimes when we would get into an argument, 
or just anything, just um, joking around. You know, of course, I would just like stand up, like, because I'm taller than him, and just say something like funny. <laughs> I don't know. It was just funny. So, who was Shorty? How would you describe him? Shorty was an outgoing, lovable type of guy. Um, he would give like his last. He would give his shirt off his back for somebody that needed it. Um, he didn't really have any enemies. Mostly, everybody just liked his energy. He was a DJ. Um, he liked to dance. He liked music. He liked the DJ. He thought he could sing a little, but <laughs> that wasn't the case. But this is only part of his story. At just 29, Shorty died on July 4, 2002, a holiday and the day of his daughter's ninth birthday. The hardest part is basically my kids growing up without a dad. I mean, obviously I'm an adult, I can deal with it, but I mean, I would like give him up just to have him here to be, you know, there for my kids. Like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Like when my daughter got married, you know, she had a baby. When they graduate from high school, college, all that is missed, yeah. More than 20 years later, his final chapter is still unfinished as the search for his killer continues. Investigators need your help finding the missing puzzle pieces to see the whole picture of what happened. It was a July night, it was a nice summer evening, uh, the 4th of July, um, so you can imagine a lot of people had off work, people were out late at night, it's 3 o'clock in the morning, spending time with friends and family, probably partying a little bit and things like that. It was a 4th of July celebration packed with people on Dauphin Street, a residential area in Lancaster City. What better way to celebrate than with food, family, and fireworks? That's exactly what Christina and Victor and their kids were doing on that sweltering summer day. Normally I would have, I usually take off that week also because my daughter's birthday is July 4th. Um, and so I was actually off work that week and um, we were together that day. Um, and like I said, that evening we were at his mom's week dinner there regularly. Christina says Shorty's mom lived off South Christian Street, which is about four streets over from where Shorty ended up on Dauphin Street later that night. It was very hot that day, and my son was like a year and a half, and I was just really hot, so I left his mom's house just to take the kids home, and uh, he stayed at his mom's house. Only that would be the last time she saw him alive. Well, he was at his mom's house. I just told him, you know, if he needs a ride to call me and I'll come pick him up because, you know, it's like the whole way across town, dark, you know, shouldn't be walking. But the call that I received was not that call. It was a call from his sister saying that he was shot. It was like early, early morning, I'd say evening, like around when everybody was doing fireworks because it was like into 4th of July. I just, at that time, I didn't have a cell phone, so it was a landline. So I got a call from uh, his sister that told me that Shorty was shot. So my first reaction was just to get up, get my kids up, and then I took my kids to my mom's house, which is by the hospital, and I went right to the emergency room because that was just my 
you know, reaction to go to the emergency room. When I got to the emergency room, they kind of gave me the runaround. And like I said, we didn't have cell phones at the time. So I called my sister-in-law and I was like, where, like, where is everybody? Like, where, you know? And they're like, oh, Dolphin Street, Dolphin Street. And like, I couldn't think, I'm like, where's Dolphin Street? And then she told me, and then I just got in the car and I pretty much just remembering like driving down Duke Street, like through all the red lights down towards where the area was. And then like, there was just everybody there, like the cops and like a lot of people. Cause like I said, it was July 4th. So everybody was kind of out, it was hot. Plus they were doing fireworks. And so then that's when I was there on the scene. And then that's when they said that, that that was Shorty that had passed and that he was the one there. What was going through your mind when you got that call and were racing the crime scene? Well, I mean, I didn't think like he was passed away. Like, I was just like, I'm gonna like kick his ass. Like, what, like, what is he doing? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and um, I really feel like I was in shock for a while, probably for like a while after, like even after the funeral. I feel like I didn't process it really right away. I mean, I had my kids, so I just pretty much had to like, you know, wake up and go to work and do the normal stuff that moms do. In an interview after his death, Shorty's sister asked a question that's been lingering for years. Sometimes I just ask myself, why did this person do that? Why did this person took my brother's life away? CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I initially talked with Detective Michael Winters about this case. He has since retired from the Lancaster Police Department, but this is one of the cases he's investigated for years. He was out hanging out with friends, uh, just walking around in the block, um, talking to people. There were a lot of people out. Like I said, there were a lot of people on their porches. I think he had family in the neighborhood, and uh, there were a number of people that were sitting out just enjoying the summer night. He says just after 3 a.m. on July 4th, Police were called to a shooting, and they found Melendez lying in an alleyway off the 100 block of Dolphin Street. That's not far from Plum or South Lime Street in the southeast part of the city. He had suffered a, a single gunshot wound to the neck, and he was beyond help. Um, the officers uh, were not able to revive him or do any life-saving measures, and he was pronounced dead at the scene. But like you just heard, Christina didn't realize that right away. How would you describe the crime scene that night? Well, they had it all blocked off, of course, but there was a, it was like an intersection by where the Dolphin Street was. Like there was a corner store and it's like a big, big intersection there. Um, there was a lot of people there, of course, you know, a lot of people, they want to know what's going on or whatever. And it's kind of like a blur, but I just remember being there and I don't even feel like that I even like cried or something because I just felt like this, like you can't really believe something like that. Because, I mean, I never had anything like that happen that's traumatic that I just was like, not that I was okay, but I was just, I don't really remember, like, showing, like, a lot of emotion. For police, this is where their investigation started. Starting with the beginning, the, the way the investigation unfolded, we processed the crime scene, collected evidence at the scene, 
Uh, we did a neighborhood canvas and talked to everyone that was on the block that night. Detective Winters said since there were so many people out for the 4th of July, they had a lot of people to talk to, and they did a lot of interviews. He says they talked to all the neighbors, family members, and friends that knew him. What we learned was there was a four-door vehicle that had driven into the block and asked for him by his nickname, Shorty, which is what everyone knows him by. They drove into the alley off the 100 block of Dolphin Street and waited there, and he was out in the block with some friends. He walked over to the vehicle, had a brief conversation with what we believe was the driver of the vehicle or someone inside the vehicle. Uh, we were told by witnesses that there were three people in the car, and at some point he leaned toward the vehicle's driver's side door and a gunshot went off and he fell next to the vehicle. The vehicle drove away and then he was left there and, and unfortunately passed away. More puzzle pieces, but how they fit together isn't clear. What happened during that car side conversation and why would someone want him dead? Do you know if there was anyone who wanted to hurt him or if he was involved in anything? I mean, not that I'm aware of. I mean, you just sometimes never know, but um, like I said, he was a likable person, so he didn't really cause like problems for people. But you know, nowadays people can get upset over like, you know, spilled milk or whatever. I asked police that same question. We have some information uh, without getting into a lot of detail that he may have had some marijuana on him and uh, that we're not sure if this was a if this was a robbery or if this was drug related or if it was something related to something else. So without being able to identify the suspects, we're not really sure what the motive is and I wouldn't want to speculate as to what the motive is. But uh, could that be a factor? It might be. We're, you know, we're, we're certainly looking into that. That's something we've been exploring since this happened. Motive aside, that night, the suspects were searching for Shorty. The suspects went there for the purpose or, or certainly at some point decided they wanted to speak to him directly since they asked for him by name, by, by his nickname, and called him over to the vehicle. So it would seem as though they were looking for him and they wanted to talk to him directly. I'm not sure if that translates to they planned to shoot him uh, when he came to the vehicle or if that's something that developed once they started the interaction. During their investigation, police came up with descriptions of the three suspects. Suspect number one is believed to be a light-skinned man with a chubby face and he had cornrows or braids. Suspect number two is believed to be a dark-skinned black man with a white towel or cloth draped over his head with a fade. And suspect number three was thought to be a black man who was wearing a navy blue or black t-shirt. All around their 20s at the time, so they'd be in their 40s now. Do you have any idea who those people may have been or any suspicions? No, I don't have any idea or any suspicions. My feeling on that is I think he probably knew one or all of them only because um, he wasn't a stupid person, so he's not going to just go up to somebody in the in a semi-type alley, dark area without like knowing who they are. I mean, that's just kind of not smart. <laughs> if you're not familiar with Lancaster City, census data shows about half the population isn't white. So a lot of people who had nothing to do with the crime could fit those vague descriptions. They aren't helpful in narrowing the suspects down, but it's all police had to go on. 
based on where the the vehicle was located and where some of the witnesses were positioned he wasn't in a position that was really ideal for people to see everything that was going on uh, some of the witnesses saw a lot of what happened but there were some parts of the the interaction that they didn't weren't able to see or hear everybody in that block knows what happened to my brother So to track Shorty's steps and get answers about what people who were out that night may have seen, I went to the 100 block of Dolphin Street with Detective Winters, walking through what happened. Yep, so this is the 100 block of Dolphin. It's a one-way street headed westbound. This is Alley 17. This is uh, the alley where the, the shooting happened. So the vehicle, the suspect vehicle, would have traveled down uh, Dolphin Street headed westbound. Has a... Uh, just an interaction with some of the people that are in the block. They ask for Shorty. Um, they proceed into this alley. There's a bunch of people out on the porches. Uh, there's a lot of people out that night. Shorty's here hanging out with friends and he comes over and walks down and uh, approaches uh, the vehicle down here in the, in the alleyway. You know, they asked for him by name. So how did they know he was gonna be in this area at that time? That's, that's what we don't know. We don't know why, why they came to this block looking for him. We don't know why they called for him by, by nickname, how they knew his nickname. What we don't know, obviously he wasn't able to tell us, uh, but we don't know if it was someone he recognized or if he knew any of the people in the vehicle or if they were complete strangers, we don't know that. He says witnesses didn't hear yelling, but they did hear a gunshot. Shorty was shot once in the neck, and after, the suspects in the car sped off. For context, this neighborhood on Dauphin Street in Lancaster City has the feel of a lot of Pennsylvania cities. Narrow alleyways in between row homes packed tightly together. At any given time, the sides of the street are lined with parked cars. Shorty was shot further back in the alley, meaning only a few homes would have had a direct view of what was happening. A lot of the people that would have been outside because of where we're at in the alleyway they weren't able to see exactly what was going on. Um, they, you know, they heard the gunshot, but they couldn't see, you know, what happened. They, they just know that it came from that vehicle. Because really, the only people that have a direct view are these two homes. Yeah, like and and the people that we talked to, nobody was actually like just looking out at that moment. There was nothing to really draw any attention to what was going on out here. It was not loud, or there was no loud disturbance or anything like that. Um, and it was just one single gunshot. So by the time people realized what had happened, the, the car was leaving and gone. And then by the time people came around the corner, they, they just spot him laying here and it's already, you know, it's already too late. Well, because if they were all on their porches too, yeah. they wouldn't have had a reason to look out the back. Right, right. And as you can tell in this alley, there's, uh, it's not much different than it was then. There's no real exterior lights, you know, so at nighttime at 3 a.m., it's pretty dark back here. And uh, again, there's no camera. There were no cameras in this immediate area at the time. More puzzle pieces that still don't quite fit together. I, I don't like to talk bad about the police, but I feel like they don't really have enough information because if they had enough information that the case would have been solved by now somebody out there does know i mean i mean i'm 100 percent sure that there's probably more than even one person that knows i mean whether they heard something or they saw something or somebody knows 
But what about the vehicle the suspects were driving? Detective Winters says while witnesses may not have seen much, several of them did provide a common description of the car. It was a, a purple or maroon burgundy four-door sedan. Some people described it as a Pontiac, and it was similar to a Grand Am, a four-door Grand Am or a Grand Prix, something like that. They described it as paint chips flaking off the, the trunk area of the vehicle. So we were looking for vehicles, and it was a common problem with Pontiacs at that time that some vehicles were had flaking paint. We checked out a number of different vehicles, and we're not certain that we found the vehicle that was involved to this point. They didn't get a license plate or even a partial. And unfortunately, in 2002, we didn't have the, the cameras that we have in the city today, so we didn't have access to any video footage from the immediate area. Even though that car could be anywhere at this point, finding that car or someone who remembers it could be critical. Over the years, since it's been so long, now over time, those vehicles have become more scarce and it's not likely that we you know, will still see those vehicles on the road today. But um, you would think and our hope would be that somebody would remember the vehicle description because it is unique. The fact that there was uh, paint flakes described as being missing on the, the, the trunk of the vehicle with the coupled with the descriptions of the people that were in the vehicle that maybe it would ring a bell with someone that someone would remember. If you know something or, you know, even if you think it might not be anything, it could be something. What about the gun used to kill Shorty? We believe it was a handgun. Um, as far as the caliber and things like that, I, I don't want to get into that. But it was a handgun. To our knowledge to this point, even 20 years later, that handgun has not been recovered yet. We don't know what happened with it, and we assume that it went away with the suspects when they fled the scene. It's another dead end. Stay with me. Don't give up yet. There were other clues at the crime scene that eventually may lead to the missing pieces of this puzzle. We have submitted evidence to the lab to be analyzed. We have tried to find DNA from uh, articles of clothing that were found on him, uh, some items that were left at the crime scene that we believe may have come from some of the occupants of the vehicle. What other yeah. evidence do you have in this case? There was some ballistic evidence that wasn't real helpful. Um, the, the main items of evidence were uh, some articles of clothing that were left uh, at the scene. And what we didn't know and aren't certain of is, is where the articles of clothing came from. He was carrying a shirt over his shoulder, so we have that at the scene, and uh, we believe that he may have been, one of the occupants may have grabbed him uh, at some point because he did lean into the car. We're not sure if he was pulled in or, or if he leaned in on his own. If any of the suspects did grab him or had any contact with his clothing where DNA was transferred, that could help crack this case wide open. The DNA technology is constantly changing and it's, it's, you know, there's been advances significantly in 20 years. The original work that would have been done 20 years ago to, to look for DNA or other sort of physical evidence, uh, touch DNA and things like that, uh, it's, we are worlds ahead of where we were 20 years ago when this case first started. Investigators tried testing for DNA again in 2019. So, so far, no suspects have been identified through any of the DNA testing that we've done. I'm confident that at some point we're going to get to a point where if there's something there, we'll be able to identify it.
I'm hoping that obviously they solve the case. Um, you know, I just would prefer the person or the persons that did it don't that I don't want them to think that they got away with it. What would it mean to you if they solved this case? I mean, I would be happy, but you're not really ever happy because it's not going to bring Sorty back. But for me, it would it would bring me happiness to know that they're not getting away with it. Um, whether they do a few years or a lifetime, at least they know they didn't get away with it and that they can't just do that. Langster is, while it's a city, it's a small city. And over the course of 20 years, people talk. And our, our hope is that somebody knew or has known for some time who, who did this. Do you think the case will be solved at this point? I think there's a very high likelihood that it could be solved if the right people come forward. Until the last few puzzle pieces are found, Shorty's story can't be finished. But no matter how his story ends, how do you want him to be remembered? I just want him to be remembered, you know, for who he was, not how he died. And just think about it, if it was your family member, if it was your child, if it was your husband, your wife, like how would you feel like if nobody wanted to come forward and give, you know, information? It's somebody's life that was lost. Once again, I'm Jessica Babb with CBS 21 News in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. In addition to hosting this podcast, I also wrote, produced, and edited it. If you like what you heard, let me know and leave a review. If you have any questions about this case, let me know. Reach out at jessicababb at sbgtv.com or email our newsroom at news at cbs21.com. Do you have a missing puzzle piece in Shorty's case, or do you know someone who does? If you have any information, come forward. No matter how small it is, it could make a difference. You can reach out to Lancaster Police or call Lancaster Crime Stoppers at 800-322-1913. If you'd like to see pictures of Shorty, you can head to her website at cvs21.com. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you next time.